0: Hello. The next chapter I'll be reading is called Scared Straight, Third Eye Experience. Today was an incredible stressful morning. I went down to 32nd Street in Herald Square around 8 a.m. Two hours before I was to have my interview with Workforce One, so I headed to Starbucks on the corner of 6th Avenue and 31st Street. I ordered my cup of coffee, waited, but a Latina female who was making the coffee behind the espresso machine was taking her time to pour my cup of coffee. There seemed to be some confusion over whether I had ordered a grande or a venti size, so I patiently waited in hopes that they would figure it out. After seeing several people grab their drinks and leave, I was growing impatient, so I walked up to the bar to see what was up. But I got the, you're not important look from the Latina. And then I snapped. I told her, if you don't make my coffee, I'm going to put a spell on you. giving her the evil smile her face turned bloodshot red as i peered through her eyes i did not know any spells but if looks could kill i might as well have been the voodoo witch doctor she began to give me some mouth then she walked away from the machine and went over to an employee and whispered something in his ear i was not taking this crap any longer so i pulled out my phone and began recording because if i was going to be the next philadelphia starbucks victim i needed proof eventually some heavyset white girl nervously stepped into the latino's girl's place and frantically makes my coffee i could not i could see her shaking her her hands shaking the entire time so i assumed my powers were very strong to evoke such hysteria all over a cup of coffee an act of assault was on my life and if i was not careful i was going to get away i was going to get myself into a whole lot of trouble so it was important that i maintain my composure and a smile for the sake of society's insecurities. The reason why I felt that this way was that madness did not start there. It started on my commute to Harold Square where I had to tell a white guy not to stand next to me because he was also behaving weird as he picked up on my energy and he suddenly became flustered next to me. I told him I had anxiety and, I was, and he was agitating it so he walked away from me moving to the other side of the car then my anxiety immediately left. <sighs> I was not in the mood for another person's confusing energy when I was confused about my own energy. I did not ask for none of this evil to come on me so I should not be mistreated for something I had no control over. I set out to have a good day, deciding to take my coffee and walk over to Herald Square to wait until it was time for my interview. Suddenly I began noticing that people were walking into the square were turning and taking pictures of me on the low. Random white people while commuting would abruptly stop turn and start paying attention to me then the demeanor changed the faces did not look pleased to see me there i became fearful in that instant not knowing why everyone was walking in by looking in my direction with an evil face it was something out of the 1999 film stigmata i looked across the street and noticed the man taking a picture in my direction then he quickly looked away when he saw me noticing him it was in the middle of rush hour and I was from a distance. I could see people from behaving strange, looking in my direction then looking away or walking in the opposite direction altogether. I cannot help but feel it was all due to this curse put on me. Some people looked scared and moved speedily, speedily alone to get out of the square. I needed spiritual guidance fast so I called my aunt Aisha to have her find a spiritual leader to call me and explain to me what was happening to me. I had no way of articulating this turmoil, fearing she would think that I was the next family to go one flew over a cuckoo's nest but I had no one else to call after ending my call with her I noticed that two white guys easing around me then cautiously sit on a nearby bench but they were not looking over their shoulders in my direction what did they perceive about me I wondered as I tried to ignore them and concentrate on something else I realized I was witnessing some my subconscious being projected out right before my very eyes and it was not pretty I literally thought I was going to die, so I called my friend, Kat, who told me that my anxiety was being fueled by my thoughts. The energy became increasingly intense as people reacted profoundly to my aura. I observed people looking from every direction, some taking pictures, some people's faces looked menacing. So I hid behind a bush to avoid detection, but it was no use. My pineal gland was open, and all my fears and anxieties were projecting out in plain sight, revealing to me those whom I have harbored the resentment for. I saw everyone evil's thoughts as their faces turned grimacing. When I no longer felt safe behind the bush, I held behind a food stand to avoid being seen, but I noticed people across the street who spotted me out and gave me an evil look. My heart was beating a thousand miles per hour, and Cat kept trying to calm me down, telling me to think positive thoughts. I go to YouTube and look at babies laughing. And then I hit near a p- pile of scrap metal metal next to a recycling bin. But when people entered the square, they started looking perplexed and weary, not knowing where the energy was coming from. Men looked vindictive, having a look of confusion on their face. If only they knew I had no, no control over or understood what this frequency was on myself nor did I desire to be on any frequency. I just wanted to be human and find employment. God damn it. I thought the fear would finally overtake me and drown me, but Cat kept telling me to take control over my mind and there was no real threat. My secret was out, but I didn't know what secret I was keeping. I was able to laugh it off nervously. Then I decided I would just test myself and go into another coffee shop to see if my experience would change since I was feeling better that I had control over my objective reality. I walked over to Gregory's coffee and ordered a croissant. I went inside a new, with a new perspective and was determined not to allow the cashier to piss me off this time. I would do this by com- focusing on my how I wanted to be and not worry about how they wanted to treat me. I was able to control the situation and I grabbed my order and left. This was music to my ears because I had left felt that my subconscious reality was out of my control. But it was all connected to me controlling my own thoughts and emotions. I was now aware how thoughts affects our external reality of reality and the experiences that come with it. When I finally arrived at Workforce when I had to deal with that same Latin guy who continued to disregard me and talk to me like a child and very rudely, he was still not eager to help me find employment. He ignored me and treated me like a nobody, basically pulling my leg. I can't win! when my haters have power to decide if I progress or stay stuck. This is why I want to stay in school to keep focusing on what I have to do so I can eventually do, be doing the hiring and not need the assistance of disrespectful, low-rate employment agencies. When it was all said and done, he wound up sending me away with a piece of paper and told me to come back in a month because the position had, had been filled. I cannot believe it. Here I was, thinking I was finally out of the fire, but the fire keeps popping up like wildfire every place I try to, to better myself. I'm in constant limbo, and mid, by mid-afternoon, the distractions drain all of my energy, chasing me back home in tears, cursing God for giving me this crappy deck of cards to play with. When I thought about the, spirit heard, the spirits heard me and answered my plea to calm down and let me be able to function without getting distracted by people's reactions toward me, behaving as if they are possessed by an evil spirit. I felt dejected heading home, but I was attacked again, It happened when I decided to go inside of a coffee shop in Harlem on 118th Street in Lenox. From the time I ordered my coffee and sat down, the people sitting at the table started acting strange. Fidgeting and having tick reactions as if if a behavioral disorder was the cause of their unprovoked reactions. The guy next to me was having a knee-jerk reaction every time I had a sudden move the white lady across from me was slamming her things around aggressively the black girl next to her was staring at me with a pissed off look on her face then she jumped up huffing annoyingly then left a white european came in and sat down and that is when all hell broke loose I had my earplugs in trying to concentrate on studying what they were doing the most kicking the seats steel chairs making loud noise looking at me nervously moving in a catatonic fashion, all appearing to be directed at me in some attempt to intimidate me. Of course, it persisted for at least 10 minutes, but I held on and stayed focused. But my heart was beating out of my chest with anxiety. I truly needed to test myself to see where this would lead. But I literally felt my safety was being threatened and my mind was going crazy over why this was happening. I was able to control my mind long enough till they all left. But all the while, the guy on his computer next to me was not leaving so fast, even though he was clearly uncomfortable and looked tense. Then he stood up to stretch in order to relax his muscles. The girl across from him stood up and moved her computer next to me as if that would intimidate me to leave. But I turned my head away, pretending I was not paying attention. Two black women entered the the seating area, but they took a seat. Uh, at another table, but they stared at me the entire time. One of the employees of the coffee shop was working nearby, changing the trash bags aggressively and staring in my direction the entire time. Even the customers standing at the counter at the front of the car- cafe hesitated to come sit down and drink their coffee, having looks of terror on their faces staring in my direction. I was literally in hell, but I kept focusing on my schoolwork. Eventually, the employee closed the internet tables area, so I had to leave. The next morning, I went to church, and though I was there physically, my emotions were vacant. There would be no crying, screaming, dancing, and hardly any exuberant praise. I was apathetic at how I felt. I received the message, but I felt a bit defeated, yet not broken in the point of my repair, of no repair, but because the pastor's encouragement helped me regain some hope for the brighter morrow, I went home and listened to Oprah's Golden Globe speech, where she says... One thing I know for sure is that your greatest power comes from your living your greatest truth. End quote. This brought tears to my eyes as I thought about living my truth exclusively reserved to honor God and value myself. I did not have sparing moment to give to others low expectations of me. I did not have the energy to feed into people's not respecting my uniqueness. I did not have any more time to think about other people's opinion and how could somehow keep me Repressed and uninspired continuously going in hurdles trying to lessen the psychic pain of rejection this time is the time is up while I simply give my power away for the psychological cost of being left alone maybe God did not want me to be left alone maybe he was requiring that I stand up and stand out and stand up for him and if not for him stand for something but I could not go another day living somebody else's life, having somebody else's intentions for my life. I wanted to taste the sweetness of life that only courageous warriors know this taste too. The sweetest, ex- this sweetness extracts like a sore tooth. The infected reality we once thought was our painful future. But as Oprah says, the time is up where no one has to say me too. Me too to the unfairness of life the injustice of humanity, the chaos and disharmony, the disloyalty of law, the impiety of spirit, foolish desires, self-righteousness, and the abominable retroactive nature of hate, aggression, and ungodliness bequeathed to a nation, I was determined to go back to church, not claiming any of these social politics cascading around the congregation. I would not allow my thoughts to be subsumed under the heavy yoke of paranoia, self-consciousness, and distrust. I am God's child for Christ's sake, and I refuse to allow people to take ownership of my reactions, my intent, all that I have had in mind. I decided to do a spiritual cleanse in hopes of ridding myself of any evil spirits to cleanse my spiritual aura and mind. I accepted that God was requiring me to learn to balance my subconscious mind while my pineal gland stayed open. I spoke to my friend Anthony and he revealed that he had the same pineal experience. He told me that it was a manifestation of our subconscious and I needed to learn to calm my nerves and balance myself so I'm not anxious. He said everything that I think about I will attract and come into my life so it was important I did not identify with other people's insecurities about me. I cannot change the way that I look nor can I change how people see me but I could learn to see myself as a creature of God And if God don't desire that I remain anxious, paranoid, and irritated over something confined to the temporal world of corporal life, the subconscious is what it is. It is not realistic to believe people are always out to harm me, but there is a way to disconnect from those disabilitating emotions. I fell asleep that night hoping for a brighter morning where I would walk out and feel free, but I was not free as I laid my weary head on the pillow, drifting off into a deep sleep. The next morning, I noticed the white dove resting outside of my kitchen window ledge. A white dove is believed to be the symbol of the Holy Spirit in Christianity, symbolizing peace, love, and honor. Christian iconography shows Jesus being blessed by the Holy Spirit with a white dove formed during his baptism. The Egyptians believed that a white dove is a symbol of innocence. I figured the bird could have been hurt, but why did it choose my window to heal its wound? Maybe it was there to heal my wound or to act as protection from evil spirits. Before rushing out the door, I decided to sit and meditate for 10 minutes, closing my eyes and taking deep breaths in through the nose and out through my mouth. I thought of nothing but stillness. Then I left for the train to take on the world with gusto. I noticed the man staring at me rudely on the train, showing a stance of aggression in an attempt to invoke superiority, but I, was, but I changed my perception and saw it as an opportunity to make eye contact. So I gestured a smile and maintained a pleasant demeanor instead of showing hostility. The opportunity for least aggression allowed me to discover a new way to inject the kind of feeling that I wanted to put out into the environment. Freedom comes when I free myself from life's ugly influences and adopt an egalitarian approach to life, respecting the dignity and valuing every life, no matter the effort it takes to get there. Yet I was forced on personal aspirations and devaluing the deep, the need for empathic human connection. I wanted to be in a space of unmovable control despite the elements. My nervous system was improving as a result of my meditating. I needed to figure out why there was a block in my mind to where I found it difficult to devote time in writing to my memoir. Why I felt a social aversion to progress in the sense that I am striving for wealth with no real plan how to get there. The ideas sound good and nice, but did I have a wealthy mind? Was my mind on the level where my heart wanted to go? I needed to love all people, no matter what the traumatic memories are. Yes, I have been hurt by black people. This is unmistakable. People get hurt all the time, and I am no rare exception. I needed to hurt so that I could fix a lot of the insecurities in myself as the black man and as a gay man. Letting people hate me pushed me to rise above the vulgarity where I come out victorious in my mind and eventually in my heart. Though I need never forget who who has wronged me. There is power in self-transformation. I did not think I was racist, and I'm not obviously, but I did think that I was a little hurt and wounded. And this hurt turned outward directed at black people. I realized I was fighting more for courage than trying to control my environment. Any perceived failure or slip in personal daily attempts at fulfilling this internal peace, that sense of control, was always agitated, not so much by the undesirable events happening, but it was my inability to see the whole picture, and I allowed myself to get caught up in self-doubt, and my perceived weakness exacerbated it. What I considered to be moral life was constantly threatened by never feeling strong and courageous enough to practice it. I could choose to practice living a reactive life, or practice turning this around and learn to let God help me create a reality more conducive to my idea of rea- of morality. Yodor Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky, I always mess his name up, <laughs> Dostoevsky. A Russian novelist quotes in the Dream of a Ridiculous Man, "I will not and cannot believe that." evil is the normal condition of mankind end quote I will not I think I started out my efforts towards happiness with this pretext to springboard me forward towards actualizing this preconception or notion I was fiercely, fiercely determined to elevate my worry over this matter I refused to believe I was powerless over my experiences in an evil world I sought out to change my perceptions, but not the condition in which I found myself. God made humans, and they are detestable. <laughs> Even I can be annoying to a degree, so coming to terms that I was no saint, nor did I lack the ability to be as detestable as any other mortal human being, I ultimately relearned to relax. I should not have to live by some mantra of being consciously woke, but I should live by, some, by what attunes me to what is good for my spiritual growth. Being connected to God unifies me to what good is for the world. My personal attachment, whether it be alcohol or sex or marijuana, only becomes extreme when there's a desire to reject them. The desire to reject, I think, comes from an internal phantomable awareness of the essential quality of harmony and balance, attempting to recalibrate itself itself. I realized I was more concerned with the mechanisms and processing of the brain rather than the explicit outward expression of change. I was more focused on how with with what makes people behave the way that they do, not necessarily what I was doing to myself as a result. What were those neuropsychological procedures the brain goes through when the need for change is impressed upon? How was I to understand how influenced how i influenced my own arrest and what was the universe needing from me thereafter why was i not immediately willing to adopt new concepts in my life after i gained consciousness of self after negative consequences i think it's how my brain is wired inculturation is a sure way that we develop an institutionalized constitution of self and this takes all the requirements away from us and puts it on society or God. When we refuse to do the work while believing God will do everything in his own time, we hinder the process. The process being going from a differentiated modality of mind to a more instinct constitution that guides a deep fundamental restoration of brain chemistry, which ultimately leads to a better fulfilling life. Now, applying this to religion, I think it would help if I helped God while helping myself. I do not have the patience to explain all the details of pure consciousness, but it has something to do with restriction, along with certain ritualistic practices, prayer, mindfulness, self-love, courage, and most importantly, having the faith that we are worthy enough to standardize what we envision for ourselves. I know I cannot change the trajectory that God has me on. It is like push, being pushed down a hill that is so steep that you cannot stop yourself, nor do you have the power to maneuver around the stumps bumped into on the way down. And then I come out more broken and bruised, but it's better than, than never having the to courage to jump on my own. Pastor Mike talked about leaning into our failures, and if I view my, the stumps like I view my failures, I know that I cannot prevent myself from colliding into the stumps while moving at the rate that makes it impossible to avoid hitting the stumps. This gives me two options. I can slow down and lessen the blow of the stump, or I can see the stump as abundance and bump into them with grace and roll into my destiny, taking up with each stump, every stump and remembering how hard it felt and how it changed me because it is not as important that I come out saying that it was worth it But it is coming out saying, had it not been for Jesus, I would not have made it. This is not false pride or displaced regret, but true graciousness comes when you take on the obstacles as your own and wear it as a badge of honor because you know that the obstacles are giving you purposely are giving you to you purposely to strengthen the gift God put in you. He God is aware that we cannot fully understand how these forces work nor do we have the capacity to understand why obstacles happen when they never act when we've never asked for them but by renewing of the mind we come to a resolve that transcends all understanding of purpose God breaks us not to sow anger and frustration but he allows us to experience the pain the anger and the annoyance so we are left with no other way to see him then we finally get ourselves over ourselves and get to know God. It does not make sense that we swear to be ac- accurately justified when the, blame for the op- when the blame for the obstacles seem to point directly to God. Yet we never fully grasp how much God cares for us, that he's willing to be cursed out by us and even rejected so that we can feel his grace even when we are at our most darkest hour. And yet he is okay with not getting all the credit because why would he expect credit when we never knew that it was due. I hearken back to Oprah's poignant speech. Time is up, not only for powerful men, but to an unjust system that seeks to leave open the, uh, the wound that sets in the infectious mental plague in every paralyzed American since the foundation of this nation. I ask myself, how can I be like God when I, by doing so, automatically disarms a ferociousness ferociousness of spirit that is determined not to repeat the past when it seems the present is moving in that direction? How do I not face every obstacle with confidence, leaving malice and resentment behind, embracing the challenge, seeing them as the only mode toward the likeness of God? Yes, my personality wants to predominate by not turning the other cheek at injustice, I cannot deny that God made me as determined as he made me fierce, sassy and inordinately passionate. Passionate. I embrace it all and I accept it all. It's given to work into the texture of life. The special way it wants its mercy to be revealed no matter what people do say or what they believe. I know I was created for a purpose and it is my responsibility to discover what that purpose is though my ability remains unperformed. I've been living in New York for 25 months and I have And as I embark on the next 25 years, I want to do it differently when I started out. I want to do it with God's intent. That is how I know my intent is aligned. The subtle difference between my intent and God's is that my intent is ruled by my own mental and psychosocial experiences. This circumstance is influenced cognitively by those maladjustments present. Though my intent seems benevolent and good, My intent is set on personal glory, affirmation, and validation. God's intent humbles my ambitions, determines my fate, and he is not worried about outcomes. It is already written in the stars, in the cosmos of life. Yes, I am annoyed, of annoyed, maybe even a little bewildered and overwhelmed by the incalculable method that life chooses to reveal itself. I demand the answers to this puzzling paradox in life, but also I accept when God does not reveal it to me when I desperately need it. By resisting, creating the malady in myself, this malady forces me to resist the heteronormative society. They can only be considered normal as long as it is maintained by brute and vulgar assaults against free-thinking humans wishing to break free this dubious agenda was sure to be questioned by some genius finding a hole in the system and attempting to change the whole entire functionality of it if it isn't if it's broken if it's not broken fix it anyway kind of change you know life is so much sweeter when the mind can be managed freely and with this, with least control, keeping the mind malleable, productive, and rooted, and proactive, and selfless internal peace. The large society problems can only be healed by the often tedious pursuit of self-affirmative change. I'm sorry about the background noise. Uh, Decepticons decided to come near me and make a bunch of noise around me, as Decepticons do. I later... The larger social problem can only be healed by the often tedious pursuit of self-affirming change. I admit I am powerless at times over my thoughts. I admit my thoughts have power and negative thoughts are powerful and act on the human spirit quite the same way a positive thought shifts the mood in a courtroom by the revealing of new crucial evidence that swings the decision toward justice. It is is a contagion that latches on to any and every receptive... Any and everything receptive to its kinetic mechanisms. I want to be clear. Had I known in the beginning that I would have to put up myself through so much to reach this clarity, I would have thrown in the towel from the start. But I don't ask how or why anymore. But the important and conducive question is... Asking oneself is when and where. When will I change and where am I going? This requires purpose as a strong sense that the purpose serves a cause. Without the cause, you can never quite have the effect. Now that I have the purpose and the causes to serve society, to make it a little bit brighter, all that is needed is effort. Effort. Which requires action This is tricky because I have my personality Telling me to go after things That make me most satisfied And contented right now But this purpose may not serve God's intent For my life So when I do begin this process of change For the good of humanity It is vital that I accept that change Might mean changing the personality Which may be hardwired to a corrupted motherboard With no antivirus installed To its machinery Keeping it safe This is harder to do than anything else that serves the destruction of cohesion in society. More power, money, a better quality of life will not do it. It only shows an ostentatious outward showing of what can one accomplish individually. But how does this serve the common good of man? how can i improve life outside of my bank account and the skull-like kingdom created in my own delusional egoism it's freeing to step out of my one's own delusional egoism and stupid life and go back into society to ask the universe what can i do for life then go out there and simply wait for life to happen and we willingly and fulfill the needs of the universe requests my pineal glands seem to have closed I no longer had the preoccupations and distractions that irritated uh, than irrational dispositions in my mind, dictating my thoughts, preparing for the worst, deciding how I should feel, deciding what steps I should take, what move I should make, how I should choose, robbing me of, of what omniscient quality of life, the quality that can only be fulfilled in real lives when I am removed of all cares and worry in the world. I thought I had ascended above the treacherous clouds and now I was floating along the cosmos taking in the fullness of the moment, eliminating the artificial elements of my moral flaws, only accepting that which is whole, authentic, derived from that which is absolute, spiritually connected cosmically entuned and conducive of the life energy fields for maximum transmission I felt evolved the more elevated the senses the sense that I made may be, in fact, less influenced by life's earthly round predicaments. Doing away with the concerns of mortals, their hang-ups and gripes and moans, the way they unknowingly project their insecurities and weak faculties out into the world for the people to see, the way that they are all attracted to low vibratory fields existing all around us and not having control, not even knowing how to handle the destructive flow of energy, feeling ourselves too powerless to influence, All the things they they concerned me before seem so unimportant now and the things that once mattered no longer matter anymore. From my hang-ups about race relations and inequality and justice, even my intolerances were now not energies I desired to care about. I am not obliged to assault people with discourses when I see that their notions of me prevents me from making a positive impression upon them. Plato writes in Utopia, If a man, say he, were to see a great company run out every day into the rain and take delight in being wet, if he knew that it would be of no purpose for him to go and persuade them to return to their house in order to avoid the storm, and that all that could be expected by his going to speak to them would be that he himself should be wet as them, it would be best for him to keep within doors and not attempt to correct their folly and preserve oneself, end quote. I can can apply this to everyday society and not attempt to be concerned with the cares of the world as I know my sentiments are of a spiritual nature and them carnal. According to astrological personality traits, I learned that all that I have been going through is a breaking free of the strongholds, a stronghold of caring about what others were thinking of me, caring about fitting in and belonging to a group, I never felt so disinterested as I do now. Far from the feeling of belonging, I am expanding my life by using the free yet operational method of pursuing the abstract and trying to push it into existence. Seeing the power in my blackness could be my B priority number one. Other races have so much to be envious of the black man about. They hate our coolness, our endowment, our rhythm and soul, our deep connection to what is reality, which is our connection to God, Though we go through life accepting most of what has been told to us because we cannot verify our history, I ask God, why has he allowed these people to identify uh, our identities to be completely stripped? Then expect that we are receptive to his calling when the call is not clear. Then I remember the scripture that reads, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. End quote. We can restore all that is due to us, all that we have lost. Does this mean that we are able to revive a befuddled people, endowing them with a sense of knowing that will restore our memories, uh, which will effectively propel us back to the level that we desire? Will we ever own our own resources? Will we ever have an African consciousness that is one in mind? Is it necessary to have a have a heterogeneous mindset in order to reach this level of collective effort? It obviously will not happen on a small scale. And it only becomes arduous and timely when the collective people are not on one accord. I will assume God will use me the way that he wants and not how I imagine. Because maybe he does not need that much from me. Maybe he does not need me to lead a a march or rally against injustice to be effective. Maybe he needs me to just be. Just be still. To not be the center of attention in order to be the most effective. That is my personality pervading my own inclinations and tendencies. But this tendency does not have to be analogous to the mission that I accept from God. I am excited because I no longer feel this unreasonable pressure to be anything in my life. I do not need to be a writer or earn a master's degree. I do not need to be rich either. But to only be present in every experience, to not expect an outcome that satisfies my ego, but that is desirable to the quality of the task that I have been assigned to. I know now that I am moving continuously along a trajectory despite what my focus is on. No matter what is, what, what is done to sabotage the dream, I know the seed cannot die, and if the seed cannot be affected by the obstruction of some outside mechanism, it is going along an obst- unobstructed continuous cycle that is inevitably leads me to a final product upon its destination. I feel a zest for life and I want to share it with nature. So I went out and took a stroll in, in the park. And I took a moment to recognize a squirrel getting a- uh, eating a nut while looking directly at me and we made eye contact. I tried to keep the squirrel's t- attention, but he, made- but he had to go and dart it on, on a bark. Uh, on a tree, I appreciated that little moment in the day to take my attention away from my own subjective thoughts and pay attention to that which is the truth unchanging and connected to the primal animal kingdom. I no longer must give humans the bereft of doubt oh i 'm sorry, I no longer must give humans the benefit of the doubt but treat them as my case studies to be analyzed and diagnosed. <laughs> By destroying them in my eye as a person, I take away the threat of their humanity, as they no longer behave like humans. So I analyze them like test mice, then deal with my feelings on these pages, because I know for sure that there is no stopping the crazy my- mouse wheel. It will get worse before it gets better, and in that <sighs> and that is fine because I am protected. I have the arm length protection of the Almighty, and boy, do I feel it now where it becomes where it once eluded me why I felt disconcerted about the nature of humanity being more shocked and appalled by humans detestable and abject lack of concern for their own humanity but I am finally okay with this flagrant rejection of humanity and determined to drive on finding it a clever way to secretly disarm the enemy robbing them of their power to crush me into a thousand pieces And that is the finale of that chapter. Thank you guys so much for listening, guys. Keep your vibration high. Smile often. God loves you. Ciao.